Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We talked last week about how we're going to be focusing on two things. Two things we're focusing on this season upcoming, and that is relationships and reaching. We're going to focus on relationships with each other, relationships with other people, with new people, and also reaching, reaching new people for Jesus, reaching people in our communities. Well, this week we want to focus a little bit on how we're going to do it. And so we're going to be talking about geared up for growth, geared up for growth. God wants more for us. He wants more for each one of us individually. He wants more for our church. He wants more for our communities. There are so many things that God wants for us. He wants us to grow into the best of us for our lives. He wants his best, okay? Not our best, not what we can give. God's best is way better than anything that we could ever come up with on our own. And God wants to grow into his best for our lives. But here's something we have to know. We have to know that growth, for anything to grow, it has to be intentional, okay? Intentional. Growth must be intentional. And here's an example of this. In my house, in my backyard, my wife has tried her hand at, uh, at the green thumb thing, okay? For years, my wife, Heather, has occasionally tried to have a plant and to take care of it, and usually it doesn't work, and it dies. And so she tried her hand at a mint plant. My wife has a fondness for a mint plant called minty. Uh, and so in the backyard, we've got this pot, and there's the plant inside of it. And so what happens is, with this concept of intentionality, right, if Heather, there have been times where Heather has not taken care of the plant. She hasn't watered it. She hasn't put it in the sun. She hasn't given it any attention. And unfortunately, what happens to a plant that you don't give any attention to? It withers and dies. And I think we have an example of what Minty looks like in our backyard. Now, this is sad because I have enjoyed time of having little mint leaves put into our water or our iced tea. Heather has taken joy in, in, in gathering plants from minty, and he's provided lovely refreshment for my mouth, and it has been wonderful. But what on the other side of it is, is that but when she has taken the time to be intentional to, to put water, and I think it requires a couple ice cubes. That's really all it is, right? So a couple ice cubes a day, and then you put it in the sun, and you give it just the right amount of care and touch. What happens? It grows, right? And it becomes this beautiful plant that it can be. This is not actually minty. Minty is currently dead. But, but, but I wanted to show you an example of what Minty used to look like. So this is a perfect example of what happens when, when something gets attention, it can grow, but when something is neglected, it doesn't. Growth is intentional. Think about our own lives, though, for a second. Think about things in our own life and when we put attention to them or when we don't. Think about work. What happens to work when you put effort in and so you really try you know, to go to your job and to have a plan to be successful when you show up to work every day or on time? What happens to, to your job? Can you grow? Can it become a promotion? But what happens when you neglect work? What happens when you don't do your job or when you're not paying attention? What about at school? School's another example of the same thing. If you study or if you just slack off. How many hours were wasted in my college lifestyle playing Halo instead of studying for an exam? I can't tell you how many hours. But hey, praise the Lord, I graduated anyway, right? But that's okay. But school, school's an example of when we put effort in and, and things can, can work for us. But on the other side, if we don't put the attention into it, then it can wither. What about parents? For those of us who are parents and our kids learning, 
Some of us have, have small kids, some of us have older kids, and we've seen if we help our kids with homework, if we invest in their learning, then the chances of them growing are much higher in their education than if we neglect it. Same thing happens in our relationships with our significant others, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or maybe your spouse. If you neglect your relationship or if you put attention to it, what happens when we neglect these things, but what happens when we put the effort in? The same is true in our relationship with God. The same is true in our church. The same is true in our communities. In the Bible, we actually see a picture of this kind of a relationship, of a, of a healthy picture of early disciples and them living a healthy lifestyle of faith, of relationships, and ultimately translating into growth. And so let's take a look today into what we can see and what we can learn from this passage about us today. So if you would, open up your Bibles or turn on your tablets or your smartphones uh, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 through 42 to 47. If you don't have a, a Bible app, I encourage you to download it. Go to the App Store and uh, go, type in version, and you can download it. It's free. It's incredible. It'll change your life. Uh, I even, I think last week, maybe even posted a tutorial about how to download and how to start some Bible uh, plans, reading plans. I encourage you to, to do that, the Bible app. But go ahead and turn on your Bibles or open them up. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we see this great picture of what it looks like to live a healthy life as a Christian. And the, uh, the verse is on the screen as well. Beginning with verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. It continues in verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property, and they sold their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, this is interesting, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And what we see here is this awesome story of people whose lives were transformed by Jesus. They, they met someone who gave them something that nothing else in life could, could meet. These people had an encounter with a, with a man who gave his life willingly on a cross, and not just that he sacrificed himself, but that through his own divine power was able to rise himself up from the grave to prove that he was God. And so, so we, what we see is this picture. This is Acts chapter 2. This is shortly after Jesus makes an appearance to everybody says, Hey, I'm back. And he ascends into heaven and says, and gives us what we know is the Great Commission, which is our marching orders to go into all the world and to teach the gospel and to teach everybody to obey what Jesus taught us, right? And then he goes up in heaven and says, I will return one day. And so what we see is, is that he goes up there and he says, but wait for the Holy Spirit who's going to come and give you power to live your lives. And so Acts chapter 1, these guys, they, they, Jesus leaves and goes into heaven and says, I will return one day. And the 120 believers go into a room that we know as the upper room. It was just like the, the, like the attic of some guy's house. Okay, that's the idea, right? And they go up there and they're waiting and waiting and praying, waiting for what Jesus said was going to happen. 
that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, his spirit, literally down to earth to indwell inside of them, and they would have something that no one has ever had before, the power to live a transformed life. And that happens in Acts chapter 2. It's called the day of Pentecost, right? And this is where the concept of the Pentecostal church comes from. It's not weird. It's not strange. The idea is that God's spirit literally lives inside of us when we follow Jesus, and it gives us authority and power to live our lives. So shortly after that moment is when Acts chapter 2 verses 42 comes along, and it says that these guys were so transformed by love and by what God has done for them that they can't get enough of each other. They spend every day together. They spend time together and doing awesome things together, worshiping and praying and eating together and having a good time. They had friends and they had family. And then what does it say? And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So our big idea of the day, if you're taking notes, there's a a note page in your program, take that out. The big idea today is that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. I mean, so get this. Christianity became the world's largest religion because of disciples who were passionate about Jesus, each other, and their world. They were healthy in their lifestyle. We see in Acts 2, 42 to 47, that they, that they were living their life by God's principles. They were healthy. Their worldview, their priorities, the way they thought, the way they saw things, the way that they lived their life, were transformed by God and they became consumed with this new perspective. They began to live their lives completely differently than the way the culture was. I mean, at this time, Rome was in power and Rome has been compared to the American uh, culture very similar in its its individuality, in its sort of no holds barred, whatever you want goes, you can do whatever you want. Nobody can tell me what I should or shouldn't do. Like there's all sorts of entertainment available. Rome was that kind of a world. And the Christian people, the new believers of this era, lived what's called a counter-cultural life. They lived something that was completely different. God's principles are totally different. His design for our life is totally different than the way our culture is. And many of us, and this is a word for, for somebody in the room, maybe a few of you today, or maybe all of us need to hear this, many of us are afraid to live a counter-cultural life in front of our friends. We're afraid that if we tell people that when we, with our friends or with our coworkers, if we don't participate in the things that everybody else does, that we know God doesn't want us to do because that's not his best for our life. Many of us are afraid that if I live a countercultural way, that that's going to single me out and isolate me and ultimately keep me from becoming the, the light to the world that God wants me to be. But that's not what the picture that we see here. The picture we see is that these disciples were so radically transformed by Jesus that they were willing to lay their lives completely down and they were willing to do whatever he asked of them to give up old habits, to be able to to, to share the name of Jesus in the middle of places where they could get beaten or thrown in prison with. All of this was countercultural and the Bible says that they were so countercultural that it was contagious. And that's the powerful thing for us to understand. Healthy things grow. I believe God desires more for each of us today. God is calling Encounter Church to become more like the early church and less like the American church. Now, that's not to say that the American church is bad in all senses. It's not. But you know what the American church is known for? The American church is known for being judgmental. The American church is known for being hypocritical. But the early church was known for their love. 
the early church of the disciples in the early days, they were known for, for their relationships. They were known for their reaching. They were known for that they didn't judge people, but they loved people so hard and they were so countercultural in the way that they lived their lives that people couldn't help but want to know who this Jesus was. And when they had an encounter with him, when they met Jesus, their lives were never the same. God wants more for us. He's calling us to be healthy. He's calling us to grow. He wants us to focus last week, like we talked about, on relationships and on reaching. And to be able to do it, we need to grow. And so there are some areas of our lives that I believe that God is saying this week that he wants us to grow in. And so I came up with a small list of three areas that God wants to grow. God wants to grow the size of, first of all, our faith. If you're taking notes, that's number one. God wants to grow the size of our faith. Let's read verses 42 to 43 and see where we get this from. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. What we see here is that these people were devoted followers of Jesus. And we call that a disciple. They were so bent upon knowing who Jesus was and what he had done for their life, that they wanted to spend time with each other and their faith grew. They spent time worshiping. They made it a priority in their life to worship together, to pray together, to go to church and to, to, to learn about it. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And God wants us to grow in our faith, not just internally, but outwardly. He wants us to be fruitful. We've talked the last few weeks about the fruit of the Spirit right? That, that when we have his spirit living inside of us, if we allow it the space in our lives to grow and to, to have decisions over our life, the fruit of that will be things like love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control and faithfulness and gentleness. All of these things are, are God's way, right? And what he's saying is, is that he wants us to be fruitful, but in order for us to become fruitful in our faith to grow, we've got to be intentional about it. Just like Minty, just like our plant. There's no way for us to become a new person. There's no way for us to grow those fruits if we don't become intentional about how we're going to grow our faith. And so it says that they were committed to the apostles' teachings. They were practicing what we call as disciplines. I mean, so a disciple is someone who practices the disciplines, right, of, of their master, if anyone watches kung fu movies or martial arts movies, the disciple of the sensei is not just the words of being a disciple. That person masters the disciplines of their art, right? The different techniques, the different forms, the different practices. They spend time going through it and working on those things. And the same thing is true in our faith. If God wants to grow the size of our faith, we have to put intention into growing in the disciplines of our faith. Prayer, Bible reading, meditation, silence, right? These are all things, things like, like nature. I was just talking to a friend of mine today. It's, you know, when you get up into an airplane or when you go out to the coastlines or to the beach and you can, you can sit and you can sometimes just see the beauty that God created. There are moments where that is a discipline of the faith of taking time to pause and reflect on who God is in those spaces, there's so many different ways for us to grow in our faith. The concept of the discipline of our faith is not that we have to become boring with it or become routine or ritualistic with it. It's that we become so, so mastering of all these different disciplines that there's a variety of any given moment for us to be able to commune with our creator. Sometimes it just takes time to just sit in silence 
and just sit and say, God, I'm clearing everything out. I just want to sit with you. Sometimes it's things like prayer and speaking to him. Other times it's worshiping through songs. Whatever it might be, we need to practice some disciplines intentionally. And the interesting thing is that it said that the apostles were doing miracles, right? That there were signs and wonders. If you are in a place in your life right now where you're saying, I need a miracle in my life. I need something, a breakthrough in my life, in my finances, in my relationships, in my health, in whatever area of your life it might be. Let me, this is a secret that I have stumbled upon. This is, what we're seeing is the principle here is what's called proximity. Proximity. The closer we are to God, the more access we have into his miraculous power. Proximity. The closer I am in my relationship to God, the more his miraculous power has the ability to affect our circumstances. The farther away from him I am, the, more, the less time I spend in the gospel, the less time that I find myself reading or spending time with him, the less I'm going to have his influence in my life. But the closer I get to him, the more time I spend with him, the deeper in the relationship I get with him, the more I find his influence in my life. The thing about this happens in every relationship. The, more, the closer I am to my wife, the more that, that our love grows. But the, the times where I don't spend with her, the times where I don't hang out or I don't, I don't write her notes or I don't you know, spend quality time or talk to her or listen to her, we feel disconnected, right? The same is true in our relationships. And so when the Bible tells us that the disciples, that the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, it was because their faith was growing, because they were in proximity to Jesus. So God wants to grow the size of our faith this season. We have to be intentional about it. The second thing that God wants to grow the size of is our heart. Verses 44 through 47 talks a little bit about this, the size of our heart, which is really a heart for people. He says, all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property, and they sold their possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy. And generosity. I'm getting a picture here is sharing. Sharing. Hard for people means that you care more about people than you do about things. You care more about others than your own stuff, right? And your own desires for things. You know, as, as a pastor, I think I have a, I, I like to think that I've got a, a good heart for people. And I'll be honest, I struggle with that sometimes. Sometimes I'd rather be watching TV than then, you know, like get a phone call and have to go to the hospital, right? I mean, that's just sort of human nature, you know, like things like that. But, but I tell you something that, that when I spend time with people, whether in good situations or bad, whether it's a wonderful celebration moment or whether it's something that's frustrating or difficult or a, or a painful season in someone's life, there's nothing like being there for somebody who needs you. And this is what the disciples found is that they weren't just being there for people in their community, but they had relationships with each other that were so deep that when they, when they lost their job or their boss yelled at them or they had a fight with their wife or they were having trouble paying their bills, they had someone they could turn to. They could call their friends. They could, they could call their, their buddies or the people the, who were in the family of God with them and they could say, I'm having trouble here. I need you. But when they had a baby or when someone else had a baby or, or when someone got a promotion, they had someone to celebrate with. They could go out to dinner with people and they could, they could go to the museums together and go to baseball games and they could have fun and share life together because let's be honest, it sucks having life alone. 
Nobody wants to live a life by themselves. And so the beauty of relationships and having a heart for people is that you get to surround yourself with people who will help you, but you also get to be the beacon of hope and life to people. We need to have a heart for each other and have a heart for our community. But in order to do that, we have to be intentional. So how do we do that? We make relationships a priority. Our relationships have to be a priority. We have to have a heart for our friends and for beyond. We can't put off other people's needs. This is all about authentic community. And that's what they did. I mean, I was looking in, in, in our passage of the day, Acts 2, 42 to 47. It was authentic community, right? They, they spent time with each other, not because they had to, but because they genuinely just loved it. They loved hanging out with each other. And I'm not suggesting that we have to spend every waking hour together with each other, because that's, that's not the world we live in. And that wasn't the world they lived in. The world they lived in was much different than it is now. But the difference is, regardless of the culture, was the intentionality to their relationships. We need to put others before ourselves. They shared their resources. Not that they didn't need it, but that they knew that if everybody was, was being generous to each other, that they would never be in need. They were truly living life for each other. So God wants to grow the size of our faith. He wants us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. He wants us to become more fruitful. We have to be intentional with that. He wants to grow the size of our heart, the heart for people. Some of us are, have stone hearts where we have become hardened to other people's needs in life. You've maybe been beaten down enough in your own life that you feel like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself before I can take care of other people. That's not Jesus's way. Grow the size of your heart. Allow him to speak into your life. Let's be intentional. And finally, God wants to grow the size of our reach, the size of our reach. Verses 47b, right? What did he say? It said, and the Lord added to them every day those who were being saved. So the picture that we're getting here is that during this time that they were having fun eating at the Olive Garden together, they were going out to dinner, they were praying together, they were worshiping together, they spent time in each other's homes, they went into their communities, they were at the temple, they lived life together. And what we see happens is that because they were living such a countercultural life, it was contagious. And everywhere they went, they were a group of people who were so committed to the passion of what Jesus did for their life. It was so different that when they went back to work, people saw that they were a different person, that they were like, what the heck is going on with Jared? Like, he's totally different now. Like, he doesn't want to go out to happy hour with me every week and stay four hours after and get plastered and the next day walk into work and feeling like he's got the hangover and do it all over again. Now, he just seems like he's happy. He seems like something happened. What happened to him? Like, that's an example, just one example of what it's like to live a life that Jesus transforms us. And so oftentimes we, we allow that transformation to take place inside, but it doesn't drip out. And that's the other half of it. We've got to expand our reach. And here's how it works. There's always room for more. Now back to minty. And I was thinking about this, about our plant, minty. You know what's interesting about mint plants? And I don't know if all plants are this, but minty is pretty awesome in this respect. I know mint plants in general do. If you put a mint plant in a tiny little bowl, it's going to grow to the size of the bowl itself. And it won't ever get any bigger. But you know what's awesome? We actually put minty last year in a really big bowl about this big. It was, you know, like the size of, of like a tray. And you know what happened to minty? He doubled in size and filled up the actual space of the whole bowl. Mint plants actually will grow to the size of whatever your container that you put them in. 
And so here's a principle for this concept, that God wants to grow our reach as, a, as individuals, but he also wants to grow the reach of our church. I believe that God wants to fill the seats of this theater with people who are not currently here. But in order for us as a church, in order for us as Christians in our lives to be able to have expansion, to be able to grab more people, we have to make room for those people to come. Just like with our plant, he was going to stay the same size if we never expected him to be able to grow to something else, and we didn't plan for that. We planned for it by giving him room to grow into. And so that's what has to happen in our lives. We have to make space in our life to meet new people. We have to make space in our life for God to move in our hearts. If your schedule is jam-packed and you find that God's never working in your life or never speaking to you and you're not ever taking any time with him, you need to make room for him in your life. You need to expand the space and God will fill it. And the same is true with our church. We need to always be looking for opportunities to include others. When we have our breakfast club that we have every other month, invite someone to come with you. Next month, when we're starting our God in the Movies series, yeah, it's fun. You know, it's cool like, to, to take some movies. I enjoy movies, so it's an easy thing for me to do. I love taking movie clips and, and finding some spiritual meanings in them. But you know really why we do it? We do it because we want to make it super easy for you to invite somebody to come to church. That's why we've got, well, it was, it was going to be here, this Everyone Invite One uh, banner that we had last year. We're going to be putting it up for the next month. And the concept is, is we want people to experience what we experience every week. To expand our reach has to take place with all of us participating, all of us inviting people, including others. We're about to start our life groups. Invite a friend to come to your life group with you. You know, like what we find is that we grow when we make room for more. And it's not an accident. It happens with intent. Intent. All of this is intentional. We want to grow our faith. We have to be intentional about it. If we want to grow in our, in our reach, we have to be intentional about it. If we want to grow our heart for other people, we have to be intentional about it. God wants to add in our lives, in our community, in our church, but we must be willing to do our part. And here's the thing I think that really seals all of it for, the, for us and for the disciples, that Christ needs to be our identity. Like we need to make who Jesus is and what he's done in our life our identity and not not the other things about us. It's not the, not the job that we have. It's not where we live. It's not my family name. We need to, to, our faith in Christ needs to become our identity. And our reach will only grow. So when we think about muscles, right? When we reach, our reach will only grow if we exercise the muscles of reaching. And so there's a couple ways for that. One is conversations. Just have conversations with people. Have some conversations. It happens with invitations. It's good to have a conversation, but the next step is to actually go out and say, hey, will you come with me? I'd love for you to join me to this thing. There's all sorts of things. And you should know that as our church, practically speaking, in Encounter Church, our leadership team, we take, we take a lot of effort into trying to, to be intentional about making opportunities comfortable for people to be invited to church. That's why we have donuts. That's why we have coffee. That's why we... Um, that's why we chose to stay in a place that is air conditioning, right? Like all sorts of different, different things. Our breakfast club is for us, but it's also for other people. We're always looking for ways of how does this look if someone new came. So we're looking for those opportunities, but we need you to do the same thing. Invitations and then relationships, building and restoring relationships with people and inviting them and including them. So as we move into the fall, 
A new season is coming for each one of us. I'm believing it. I'm believing that God wants to do incredible things in our lives, in our situations, in our finances, with our kids, with our marriages, with our jobs, with our education. I believe he wants to do the same thing for our church. He wants to grow us. He wants to expand our impact in this community. But God is calling us to pursue relationships and to reach out wider. And as we grow the size of our faith, as we grow the size of our hearts, as we grow the size of our reach, we will become the people that God is calling us to be. And maybe we'll look just a little bit more like the early disciples, people who were sold out for the name of Jesus. We will grow in influence. We will grow in size in our personal lives, in the situations that we face in life. They will become transformed by God and his power. So our challenge today as we close with this is intend to grow. We're geared up for growth. We are geared up for the road ahead. We want to reach people. We want to strengthen our relationships with people who are with us and beyond. But we have to intend to grow in all aspects. And so a couple things I would say is put some effort into growing your relationship with God. Make the effort. Start small. Some of you guys, you know, I meet with you a couple of you guys every other Monday and just have a good time hanging out. And the thing that I always come back to is just take a step. And so I see these guys and it's awesome. I see them starting Bible reading plans. I see them creating like verse images that you can do through this app and posting them on Facebook. I see them taking time. And you know, someone might say, that's not a lot. But you know what I say? That's more than they were doing yesterday. And that's the steps, right? Taking steps. Put effort into growing your relationship with God. The second thing is invest in relationships. Life groups are starting. Life groups are starting back up, and that's a powerful place to grow in your relationships with people in this church. But to, if you know somebody who needs to grow, somebody who could use someone to love them even if they don't believe in Christ yet, even if they're not a believer, invite them to be a part of this church. It's okay. They can belong before they believe. And then plan to include others. Next month is invitation month. Encourage you to bring somebody. Everyone invite one. Just everybody bring one person. If we everybody brought one person, we'd double the size of our church. It's not about numbers, but it is about reaching more. It's about more people knowing Jesus. Our life groups, regular life, just include other people. Would you pray with me? God, we are thankful that you love us. Thank you that you have given us hope and life and you've given us a great picture of what it looks like to have a healthy community of people. God, we want to grow. We want to grow in our faith with you. We want to have a, an encounter with you, an experience with you. Help us to put effort into our faith, into our relationship with you. God, we want to grow in our heart. We want, to, we want to not be callous to the people who need help, people who need lifted, even the people who are within our own reach, inside of our own families or our friendships. Help us to grow and to love people like you did. God, we want to grow with our reach. We want to know new people. We want to, we want to be authentic in our faith. We want to be countercultural and contagious. God, give us the boldness to be, to be 
countercultural, to live like you call us to live in the face of people who don't understand it. But give us the faith to know and to trust that you will draw people to you if we would be willing to just show them who you are. And so we combine ourselves now just as one body of one people and we say, God, help us to grow. Help us to fill these seats. Help us to find people in our community who need you and to bring them with us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move real quickly into our response moment and shift gears a little bit. Today I felt like God wanted to speak to a specific need. Um, while we were praying this morning, just felt like God was saying that there are some people in the room, and maybe, maybe there's many of you, but I know that there are a few specifically that God put on our heart who struggle with this identity concept that I talked about. I talked about having our identity be Christ. Faith in Christ is what we live our lives, and we're shaped by that. But many of us struggle with this because we believe instead that we're labeled by the things that have happened to us. And something happened to me this week, and this is not a pity party, but my car was broken into. And this is the fourth time that it's happened in my life. One time when I was in college, my car was busted into and someone took my CD player. We lived in another place, our car was stolen, another place our bikes were stolen from our house, and then this week we had some stuff taken from our car. And you know the tendency is to think did I do something to deserve this? Is there a lesson here? And you begin to think that I'm just destined for this to continue to happen. And there are some of you in the room who maybe feel like whatever it is for your life, that maybe you have made mistakes with, with things, like, like uh, maybe with, with addictions. Or maybe you have um, grown up in a home where you were told that you weren't worth something. Or maybe you've grown up in a place or that you've kind of, you've become to labeled by the things that have happened to you and you struggle with this idea of, of, of turning that behind, like the, the song we sang with the cross before me, the world behind me. You say, I want that, but I have trouble because of these things. I feel labeled by this. But what Christ is saying to us is that he paid all of it. On the cross, his blood covers it. And what I love is that it says, sin left a crimson stain, but he made it white as snow. If you've ever tried to clean up something to where it's perfect, it's impossible. But that's what God does through his love and his forgiveness. And so for some of you in the room today, God is saying, I want you to leave behind the label, the thing that you have been labeled as. Whatever negative feelings or whatever, whatever you have begun to feel for yourself, that your life or the mistakes that you have made, God is saying, I don't want you to be identified by that. I want you to be identified by my love, by my grace. I want you to be healthy. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.